Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com, and if you want to join... All you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written published article, Who Is at the Helm? 
from 1965. It's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage Show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar and you get a better buzz. <laughs> with the Savage Premium. So go to go to glow.fm slash Savage Premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. By popular request, today we're going to revisit the political zoo again, but with new characters originally written about when this um, prescient book was first published in 2006. I covered a number of people who arguably are the most evil people the world has ever seen outside of the worst types of Hitler, etc. They're not in that level. But in terms of pests that destroy societies, yeah, George Soros has to be amongst the worst ever in American history. And so in Political Zoo, I gave him a Latin binomial, Leeches Omnipotentum. As you know, uh, all uh, animals, plants have a genus and species according to the Linnaean system. So I gave all of my characters a Latin binomial. And I named him Leeches Omnipotentum in the same phylum as the Magar maggot. The Budapest centipede is an insidious invertebrate that has hundreds of hands, all of them out and in other people's business. Although the Budapest centipede is, of course, native to Hungary, Buddha is the major word for lefty. Pest is the major word for pest. This particular pest has migrated to the United States where it has become a primary source of energy and resources for native animals of the porno belts on the east and left coasts and native potheads everywhere. Seemingly benign to naive scientists who often mistake it for a friendly caterpillar. The Budapest centipede is a voracious parasite that if not controlled, can pick a hundred pockets simultaneously. As we speak, it is spreading across the country, infesting American homes and eating through their foundations. This small but ambitious bug also travels to the Caribbean where it has established its own sanctuary to prevent attacks from the even more predatory insects of the IRS. We're talking about, of course, George Soros, who is funding the worst district attorneys in America, who have permitted cities to melt down by releasing violent, dangerous criminals on the streets. I'll continue. George Soros from the political zoo is the poster boy for campaign finance reform who sought single-handedly to buy George Bush out of office and is one of the richest men and biggest pests in America. The Budapest centipede uses his money to support the concept of an open society, which he defines as, quote, a society which allows its members the greatest degree of freedom in pursuing their interests compatible with the interests of others, close quote. And rest assured, he is putting his money where his mania is, having spent millions of his own just to get reefer legalized under the guise of medical marijuana. If that succeeds, we will learn what the concept gateway drug really means. Was I wrong? You know I'm right. I'll go on. For all the libertarian lip, this centipede is a lefty with all hundred of his hands. If you get in the way of this devious vermin, 
you'll find a hundred knife wounds in your back. Death by a hundred cuts, as the Chinese call it. They know this sucker. Doesn't matter if you're foe or friend. The only person this guy is truly faithful to is Benjamin Franklin. Remember, this particular breed of centipede comes from the genus Megier maggot that spawns in corpses and draws its nourishment from rotting flesh. Britain learned this the hard way. It seems the Budapest centipede had been hundred-handedly amassing a nest full of English pounds, and on September 6, 1992, a date that's come to be known as Black Wednesday, he sold them short, knowing that it would bollocks England's struggling economy. The Bank of England was forced to devalue the pound sterling, leaving gorging George with a one-day profit of $1.1 billion. For this proto-democratic effort, Budapest earned the dubious title of the man who broke the Bank of England. And we're supposed to believe that Republicans are the rich and heartless? You want a definition of parasite? When this bidious billionaire escaped the Soviet occupation of his native Hungary at the age of 16, the country that took him in was none other than merry old England, the country that also took in Karl Marx. Didn't they learn? Budapest worked hard and graduated from the London School of Economics, where he studied the host country's vulnerabilities long and hard. And that's how the centipede operates. You let it into your home, give it warmth, feed it greens, and yet it still starts eating through your floors and your walls until the foundation buckles, the structure comes tumbling down, and the Budapest centipede worms his way to another host. For the Dems, this pest is pure role model. Budapest later pulled the same type of maneuvers in both Malaysia and Thailand, where a Thai source said, we regard him as a kind of Dracula. He sucks blood from people. Yeah, this centipede is a sucker, all right. But you're an even bigger one if you think that he's in this for anyone but himself. And yet this is a man who once said that his goal was to earn enough money on Wall Street to support himself as an author and philosopher. Can you imagine what this cant of cant would say? I can see him now inside a tirading on the steps of the New York Stock Exchange. The left's most prominent economic philosopher since Gordon Gekko got sent upriver. Banchito ergo con, says Soros, translated, I bank, therefore I scam. But why even satirize? Here's a bit of real philosophical wit from this pillaging Plato. When asked how he felt about being responsible for so many financial collapses and the number of people devastated by them, Soros said, as a market participant, I don't need to be concerned with the consequences of my actions. Such profound wisdom, Kirk agreed. Guess he had to divest his conscience to make room for his money clip. But alas, this creepy crawling creature hasn't limited his quest for power to foreign shores. No, the centipede has his hundred hands in a hundred different ventures in America's liberal community. Fifty hands giving money to the doper's Bible, Mother Jones, and the nation, a clubby comic chat sheet, as well as the left-wing snake pit, moveon.org. Another fifty hands trying to nitpick the character out of our culture. In the 2004 election, of course, Soros became a massive self-parodying political contributor, saying that removing George Bush from office was, quote, the central focus of my life, as well as being a matter of life and death. Can you believe this? He also claimed he would willingly give up his entire fortune so that George W. Bush would not be elected. I want to pause right here from the reading to show you how psycho this man is. As centrist and as rhino as Bush was, this fanatical, insane man wanted him gone. Can you imagine what this man did both in front and behind the scenes to Donald Trump and what he's doing to America by funding the most vile communistic district attorneys imaginable? I went on. 
Well, Bush is still in office, and as far as I can tell, Soros hasn't frequented any soup kitchens lately. But he did donate $23,581,000. You read that right, over $23 million to groups opposed to W's return to office. And this from a man who promoted the Bipartisan Campaign Reform Act of 2002, which was intended to, quote, ban all soft money from federal election campaigns. But don't be fooled into thinking that his opposition to Bush was based on any philosophical or moral stance. Quite the opposite. You see, in 1986, Soros owned a company called Harkin Energy that bought a troubled Texas oil company, Spectrum 7. And who do you think was among the owners of Spectrum 7? If you guess Dubia, you win a prize. But why would the Budapest Centipede make such a seemingly poor business deal? Quote, we were buying political influence, he has said. The problem may have been that he didn't get his money's worth. It didn't come to anything, he griped. Unable to buy Bush, the Budapest centipede has turned instead to buying his opponents. The only problem was that America wasn't buying, at least not in 2004. But make no mistake, the centipede will try again. What this parasite wants is nothing to do with philosophy. It's all about power and control. And what he wants to control is America. This pest will continue to find ways to funnel funds supporting the campaigns of whatever liberal political puppets will best serve his interest. And once they're in, he'll lead them around like crack addicts hungry for a rock. What the Budapest centipede keens for is not mere power for his friends, but a return of the splendor of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, in which he himself just might make a splendid archduke or wine emperor. Heck, why stop there? Soros aspires to, to divinity. Let's see, he wonders, which one of the Trinity is most vulnerable for a buyout. As this Magyar maggot actually told the observer, it is sort of a disease when you consider yourself some kind of God, the creator of everything. But I feel comfortable about it now since I began to live it out, unquote. The Budapest centipede has his hands in more liberal pies than Jerry Nadler at a dessert buffet. But for all the walking around money a conscienceless, hundred-handed creature can pass out, he has yet to worm his way into the heart of America. No wonder the Dems went after the majority leader Tom DeLay so viciously. It wasn't his history as congressional hammer that scared them. It was his history as a Texas exterminator. He knew what rocks the Budapest centipede and the other pests were hiding under and wasn't about to ask the EPA if he could spray them out of Washington. Do you find it offensive? Well, good for you. I find it offensive that he would support district attorneys like Chesa, Boudin in San Francisco who has destroyed the city by releasing criminals onto the streets of the city no matter what they do by permitting vermin to go into stores like Walgreens and clean them out without being arrested ladies and gentlemen as Aristotle said man is a political animal and I welcome you to the real national zoo I'm Michael Savage and I stand by these writings if you don't like it it's your problem not mine Michael Savage, a host like no other. What's amazing to me is that many of the characters in the political zoo are still operational. I cannot believe that Pelosi is still around, Alec Baldwin is still around, causing trouble by the way. John Kerry is still around, causing trouble. And so many others, Chuck Schumer is still around, George Soros. But here we have Jesse I. Jackson, the, quote, civil rights leader, who is nothing but an extortionist, in my opinion, who I lampooned in the political zoo, who, as I speak, 
has flown into Kenosha, Wisconsin to cause a riot should the innocent boy, Rittenhouse, be found innocent. Maybe he can help burn baby burn, which is what he's known for. But let's listen to what I wrote way back when in the political zoo, because he's still at it. Jesse Jackson, extortus exploitus. The reverend vulture is a well-heeled, well-dressed scavenger in sheep's clothing that feeds off the death and decay in the political jungle. Observing the cycle of life from a pious perch, the reverend vulture does all its praying with an E. It swoops down and begins feasting on any creature showing signs of distress, be they alive or dead, including animals from its own flock. Its lightness of conscience and lack of gravity give the reverend vulture the speed and dexterity to beat all other scavengers to just about any cultural rot that has attracted a camera crew. And just as kings and queens of yore use trained falcons, so do today's petty potentates and two-bit tyrants use the reverend vulture. Shall I go on? Only in an environment without real predators can a jive turkey like Jesse Jackson pass for a vulture. A race-timid media have declared this big-butted bird a protected species and has gone to his head. He flaps around like the archangel Michael, but the Michael he most resembles is also the Jackson he most resembles. The one noteworthy difference between them is the glove. As one of the least moral individuals in public life today, the Reverend Vulture is ironically one of the least vulnerable. He lives deep in a racial swamp of his own creation. When he's not defending convicted murderers, drug lords, street thugs, or third world dictators, this vulture is managing a dozen different hustles and shakedowns to engorge himself, his family, and his friends. And by victimizing the very people he claims to be helping for nothing more than his own vainglory, this scavenger fuels the very racist myths that keep the swamp swampy and the black community indentured to the democratic overlords who would hate to see it drained. Remember, this book was written quite a while ago. Quite a while ago, wasn't it? Was I wrong in 2006 or 2005? I'll go on about Reverend High Jackson. Once upon a time, before he found a better racket, the Reverend Vulture ran Operation Breadbasket. Then he ran a couple of times for president. But now, as former D.C. mayor and convicted cokehead Marion Barry points out, Jesse don't want to run nothing but his mouth. Well put, Mr. Mayor. Scientists wanting to test which earthly phenomena most closely approaches the speed of light can do no better than measure which reverend first reaches the scene of a racial flare-up, circling Al Sharpton or Jesse on Vulture's wings. You know, I wrote that, and here he is. It's still true. Here he is, flown into Racine, Wisconsin, Kenosha, Wisconsin, to, to stir up a racial flare-up. It's frightening that this man is not put in prison for this. It's unbelievable to me, the country we live in. I'll go on. Despite those wings, the Bush years have more or less grounded the Reverend Vulture. Without Bill Clinton and the Democrats occupying the White House, this vulture doesn't get to fly around Africa anymore and oversee such diplomatic triumphs as the one he and Wolfboy engineered in Rwanda circa 1994. Nor does he get to pick the respective treasuries clean the way he did when he helped legitimize the strongman thugs in Liberia and Sierra Leone. Nor can the Reverend help his buddies fly the coop as he did in the last few days of Clinton's term. If you recall, he secured pardons for one guy convicted of stealing $5 million from the homeless, another convicted of sexually propositioning a 13-year-old, 
and worst of all, a guy guilty of serving several terms as a Democrat in Congress. Admittedly, Jackson and Bush got off on the wrong foot when he swooped down on Florida in 2000, surrounded himself with alleged Holocaust survivors from the local junior high, and claimed that Bush was trying to swipe the election. At that moment, few recognized the vulture's keen eye for things illegitimate. But by the time the inaugural rolled around, even the New York Times had to admit, after the National Enquirer forced them to, that the good reverend had sighed a little love buzzard, make my year. Who can forget those heady days during the most ethical administration in American history, that eight-year-long summer of lust? And lusting is what Clinton and Jackson did, at least with their interns, if not their wives. Jackson's love mate was an employee who had written her Ph.D. dissertation on Jackson. One can only imagine. Apparently, Jackson chose to show how Operation Push got its name. <laughs> and the research quickly turned from sociology to biology. Jackson's generous $10,000 a month research grant to the young scholar, not to mention the extra perks like $40,000 in moving expenses and the purchase of a $365,000 home, caught the attention of Jackson's employees who blew the one thing not being blown, the whistle. <laughs> oh, Obviously, they didn't get quite as generous Kwanzaa bonuses that year. <laughs> now this indiscretion would have politically clipped any other bird's wings, but with the New York Times writing articles like, Moral leaders need not be perfect. The Reverend Vulture was grounded for about a weekend. That's all it took for him to revive himself in the eyes of the media. Jim Baker and Jimmy Swaggart may still be in semi-permanent timeout for their indiscretions, but not the Reverend Vulture. He had a corporate shakedown cruise to attend to, the Wall Street Project, and neither an extortion rap nor a flock of love children were about to keep his sorry tail feather out of lower Manhattan. Tragedy struck Lower Manhattan again on September 11th, and once again, the Reverend Vulture swooped in to look for loose change. Within days, he reported that Afghanistan's Taliban leaders had requested his assistance to mediate this little dispute between their pathological country and the U.S. But when Mullah Omar's ambassador to Pakistan was asked about the request, he denied that the Taliban had initiated the contact. They likely feared that the Reverend was about to shake them down for the poppy concession. If he could squeeze the juice out of Chase Manhattan, they were already pulp in his hands. It is not important how the contact was made, but that the contact was made, said the rhetorically inventive Reverend Vulture of his would-be Nobel Peace Prize gesture. Smooth move. It's clear that the Taliban's fear wasn't unfounded. Ever since his unsuccessful presidential bid in 1988, shakedowns have become the Reverend's specialty. Corporations, countries, what's the difference? His Wall Street project is known in the corporate community as the Wall Street heist. A traditionalist, the Reverend Vulture, brought his family members into the racket, excuse me, business. Faced with a choice between a national boycott and a franchise to half-brother Noah Robinson, Coca-Cola chose B, franchise. And days after Jesse picketed Anheuser-Busch in Chicago, his two sons were awarded the franchise there, one that nets this ravenous empire 30 to $40 million a year. How many of you really know this happened? 20 years ago. Raise your hands. The Reverend never lets reality get in the way of a vigorous shakedown. In 2003, a Chicago nightclub already under court order burned down, killing 21 patrons. Within hours, Reverend Bloody Shirt Vulture and his legal accomplice, Johnny Cochran, were threatening to sue the club owners on behalf of the families of the victims. Oops, one problem. The Reverend apparently forgot just how extensive his fiefdom was. The owner's father 
turned out to be a co-founder of the Reverend's Operation Push, and the owner was a longtime Jackson family friend. The Reverend had even written to Chicago officials before the fire, claiming that the club that burned down was an example of the best that our business community has to offer. Can you believe this? The Old York Times also found several ministers who had been instructed by Jackson to throw business to the illegally operating club. In the end, what may have infuriated Jackson most was that his clan had not yet gone fully vertical and branched into mortuary services. Vultures don't like to leave any odds and ends lying loose. The past year has kept the reverend and the little buzzards buzzing. When he isn't whining and dining suspected world leaders like Kim Jong-il of North Korea, Fidel Castro of Cuba, and Comrade Hugo Chavez of Venezuela, he has found the time to denounce the freedom movement in the Middle East. He said, Thomas Jefferson democracy has no export value on the international market, said the reverend, and obviously not much in hometown Chicago either. Closer to home, the Reverend Jackson swooped down on the dying Terry Schiavo when all that was left to salvage was a headline or two. And the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, this increasingly bottom-heavy vulture, could be found flying around New Orleans, literally looking for some Republican scab to pick. Neither rain, sleet, or hurricane will stop this scavenging, foul-weathered bird from following his predatory route. Because when this Reverend isn't praying, and it seems he seldom is, you can bet he's praying. That was written quite a way back, and here he is still operating, flying into a troubled spot in Wisconsin before the verdict to see if he can cause some more trouble yet. Only in America can a hijackson like this get away with it. I'm Michael Savage. I hope you've enjoyed this reading from the Political Zoo. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. We do a special thing for my followers on Friday. For those of you who may have missed my appearances on Newsmax TV, on Saturday's show, The Count, we discuss the true cost of electric cars. It's a very important, you know, few minutes that I packed in there. So I think you'd enjoy listening. It just so happens that in order to save the world from fossil fuels, we have to adopt an authoritarian style of government that controls every aspect of life. That's also part of it as well. Check this out. Thanks, Joe. Gas is only $5.29 a gallon. What a bargain. That is really good, Uncle Joe. Soon, let's see, eggs will be $100 for six. Milk will be uh, $10 a carton. And the fanatical leftists will say, good, you shouldn't eat milk or eggs. And you should be driving an electric car. That's how, that's the state of the nation that we are in today. It's a nation filled with dumb, fanatical leftists who are destroying everything they touch. (laughs) Well said. Join me now to discuss host of the Michael Savage podcast available on iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, and more. Michael Savage, sir, good to see you. Thanks for coming on. Rob, thanks for having me. It's crazy. Just crazy. I'm paying $100 to fill a tank of gas, number one. And they don't care. The hell with it. Go buy an electric car. What they don't understand is a primary rule of thermodynamics is that all energy derives from energy. This electric car is not a free lunch. It comes from electric batteries. Where do electric batteries come from? Don't ask anyone in the Biden administration to explain to you that child labor in Africa, notably in the Congo, child labor, Africans, Uh in mines, More than 70% of the global total of cobalt comes from mines that are being mined by kids in mines in Africa. That's number one. 
Number two, the lifespan of an electric battery, about 10 years, not renewable. By 2050, tell the idiots in the Biden administration, these batteries will fill landfills with 50 million pounds of waste that does not break down, does not break down. So the cost of driving an electric car is actually higher in terms of energy than driving a fuel-derived car like a gasoline car. Uh, fuel cons- I could get, let's not go into the data. The fact is that energy costs something. And moreover, the batteries, as I just said, are made of something. Cobalt, child labor. And then there are the rare earths, which many people who are intelligent heard about. Who owns 97% of the rare earths today? China, China, China. And by the way, wow. do you know where a lot of rare earths were found? Afghanistan. Mm. And guess who moved in to oh, Afghanistan right after Biden pulled us out? China, and they got their hands on the rare earths that are necessary to build these electric cars. This is a, a like giving the country away. So, again, it'd be nice to drive a car that's clean and doesn't pollute the atmosphere. I'm an environmentalist at heart or a conservationist, yeah. if you want to put it in that way. I've always been a, an environmentalist or conservationist as a former ethnobotanist. But there's a price to be paid for the electric car that has to be calculated by these dimwits, yeah. like that Soviet idiot energy person that you show yeah she came from the soviet union yeah what the hell is he picking someone like that for i don't think he's picking who is who's doing it i don't know i i I don't know who's really running this thing he's not running this thing though it's so obvious now because these aren't even his politics i mean these are not his politics you know that as well as i do we've watched this guy for 40 years well, it can't be Kamala Harris. She's giggling away from the dentist. No, she's not in control so, either. Yeah. So it can't be Kamala Harris. She's on laughing gas. Yeah. Who is it? Is it Mrs. Biden? Is Jill Biden running the country? Is she that much of a leftist? Or is it occasional cortex and her cohorts of lunatics? Former, Maybe former Biden officials, so- Susan Rice. The people, I've heard a lot of different names that people think are actually in charge. People from the Ooh. Biden administration, people that are just further left. I, I, I keep hearing people, when I talk in conversations, a lot of people say that Susan Rice could be behind the scenes. Who knows? Oh, I mean, I, you, you don't know. There's- but Irrelevant to all of it, Rob, we'd have to agree, yeah. is that the, the bottom line from my point of view is, sure, give me an electric car that costs nothing energy-wise to drive. But the devastation on the kids who are mining the cobalt in Africa. Right. I thought they care about racism. These are African kids in the mines in the Congo where there are no rules about who you can use in a, in a child labor. 70% of the global total comes out. How come we don't hear anything about that? They don't care. And, and about the batteries. Where, what are they going to do with all these batteries in 10, 20 years? Where are they going to go, Rob? We can't ask those questions. Because they're inconvenient truths. You bring you bring out the information that nobody talks about at any of these climate summits that nobody cares about. And you're right. I agree with you on one thing. And we're totally out of time here. But I would love to have a car that just is is made out of a big solar panel that just runs on nothing. That's free for me to drive. That doesn't emit anything. I would love that. But the battery car is not it. Good to see you, sir. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Rob. I appreciate the time. All right. Bye now. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Last Tuesday in Newsmax, I was on the Grant Stinchfield show where we talked about the lies that the left wing is relying on during the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. You have to hear this. They're trying to railroad this poor kid. Joining me now is the host of Savage Nation podcast. Michael Savage is here. Dr. Savage, great to have you back on. (laughs) Thanks. Grant. I watched the videos so, very carefully in the closing arguments. This kid Rittenhouse showed the most amazing restraint I have ever seen and presence of mind of a warrior trained by special forces. 
He did not open up a machine gun blast. He shot occasionally one, two, three, when he was about to be killed by these jackals. It looked like jackals surrounding him, trying to kill him. And as you just mentioned, Gray, this Gage Grosskreutz, who was shot in the arm, is a terrible human being, a violent career criminal, many offenses that you mentioned, including hit his, hitting his own grandmother with a lamp, I think. Most importantly, though, he had two charges of carrying a firearm while intoxicated, which bans felons from carrying a firearm. None of this was admitted because the DA himself is a criminal by what he has done. The DA, in plain English, tried to railroad Rittenhouse. Now, I spoke to an attorney, a yeah. criminal defense attorney today. you got to hear this. It, no matter what this DA says, all of this should have been admitted into the trial, meaning this guy's background. The jury can mm -hmm. consider anything that reasonably goes to the witness's credibility. And this DA made sure that none of this background was admitted. This DA is the problem. The mayor is the problem for putting handcuffs on the police. The governor is the problem for having put handcuffs on the National Guard. And this kid went out as a good Samaritan to try and help people as a medic and also to defend the uh, parking lot or the, 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 the lot of cars yeah. that one of his friends owned. He was attacked by these jackals. Did you see the video? Well, did you watch it, Grant? Did you watch the closing arguments? I, I, I did, Dr. Savage. And, you know, the video is clear. I, I, I will tell you one little story of my own. I talked to a liberal family member of mine tonight, and he said that Kyle Rittenhouse was railroaded. This is a guy Railroad. who I've not agreed with in many, many years on anything. <laughs> and he said that Kyle Rittenhouse was railroaded. That from a liberal. So I have hope that maybe Rittenhouse yeah. will get off here. I want to play a clip for, for you, though, Dr. Savage, because this is my prediction of what's going to happen. If Kyle Rittenhouse is acquitted, they're going to blame the judge here for, I think, yep. the judge did everything that he was supposed to in this trial, but watch the media right now already start laying this path out. I don't see how anybody can say that this judge is not biased and is not leaning in a certain direction. I think that the behavior of the judge in totality is the problem. This judge is an absolute joke. He's been a joke from the very beginning. Clearly, this guy has biases that are affecting the administration of this case. I completely agree from my observation that the judge is entirely biased. Way. Just, yeah. Dr. Savage, I believe they're making an excuse for the rioters before the riots happen. They are the problem. It's those people who are the problem. This is a jury. It's not supposed to be mob rule outside a courthouse. Who the hell do these people think they are? They're trying to burn the courthouse down before the verdict? No, I am sorry. There have to be consequences for these loudmouths in the media who are trying to burn a courthouse down. And there's no solution to this but toughness from judges. This judge is old school. He's a Democrat, by the way. Real old school yeah. centrist Democrat of the type that could save America from the vermin that have been put into these DA positions by George Soros's money. And take a look at the flags you're showing right now. These are communist anarchist flags and the worst scum in American society right now. I'm sorry. This is clear as a bell to me. They're trying to railroad this kid and they're trying to destroy him and burn the courthouse down. And by the way, as I've said a hundred times, the DA tried to railroad, railroad Rittenhouse. He should be disbarred from this from the courts for this, but he won't be because you know they own the yeah. courts. There's no solution yeah. to this but uh, the truth. We have to sanitize this situation with the truth and let the people decide, mainly the jury, not these people in the media out there who are trying to burn yeah. Rittenhouse before it's over. 
Well, you know, I'm glad you brought up and had the comments you did about the judge, because as bad as this trial was at spelling out all the problems America faces, a Democrat judge acting the way he did, very fair, very impartial. It gave me a little bit more faith in the judicial system that really has been weaponized. But Dr. Savage, always great having you on the program. Together, as I said, Savage Nation, Stinchfield's Army, we cannot be beat. We don't need the weapons. We got <laughs> it with our words. Buddy, Thanks for having thank me. you, my friend. As always, you got it. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. Now, here we have the fun stuff. The Graham Hancock pieces take us back in time on The Savage Nation. We're going to play a few more of these rediscovered gems, which I loved doing at the time. They used to make me so happy. I hope they do the same for you. This is Graham Hancock on special assignment for Michael Savage. Today, Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld was asked for an investigation into allegations that Afghans mistakenly taken prisoner by U.S. military forces in a raid last month were later beaten and mistreated. Victoria Clark, chief spokeswoman for Rumsfeld, said that the military has nothing to indicate that anything like this happened, but is looking into it nonetheless in the wake of newspaper reports. Now, I have been able to find a Taliban prisoner who has detailed the excesses and the cruelty of the American soldiers. Here is my interview with him now. So tell me, what really happened inside the prison? I see, the bagels were slightly over crispy, is that it? And the cream cheese was warm? And they took your clothes away and made you wear fresh clothes? And when your clothes were returned, they were neatly pressed? I see, frightening. Ah. Your prayer rug was slightly damp when it returned from the cleaner. Ah. And when you escaped, one of the guards held you from pushing your way through the door. Yes. After spitting on a guard, he wiped his face and looked at you with a mean glare. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. The accusations of cruelty from a Taliban prisoner. You be the judge. Now, back to you, Michael Savage. This is Michael Savage on assignment in Noble, Georgia, the site of the shocking crematorium case where the remains of loved ones were found to have been stacked like logs, some up to 10 or 15 years, not cremated as contracted. Hearts are broken all over this neck of the woods. We go now to the manager of the crematorium, Mr. Ned Cunningham. Mr. Cunningham, uh, pleased to meet you. Well, thank you very much. Is there any truth to the rumors that your facility here did not perform the cremations as contracted? Well, now that would be true, except for one thing. I read Al Gore's book, Earth in the Balance, and I realized something. We got a terrible energy crisis on our hands. So what I decided to do, rather than use all that important fuel, is to take those bodies and neatly stack them in rows and throw flowers on them. Wait a minute, you're not suggesting that you did this out of the kindness of your heart, Mr. Cunningham, are you? Well, certainly, I mean, if you look at it, we got an ozone hole, 
We got energy crisis. Wait, wait, did you say an Ozark hole? We got an Ozark hole here. We What's got... an Ozark hole got to do with your your not cremating those bodies as contracts? Well, we got people getting skin cancer from all the emissions coming out of the vehicles. So what I decided to do was to, to try to create a more balanced environment for the people of this planet. It's only love that motivated me. So, in other words, you weren't doing this to save money. I understand that it only cost 25 bucks to cremate a body, and yet the funeral homes were charging up to $2,000, and yet you wouldn't even spend the $25 to do it. Now you're trying to argue that it was to save on fuel? $25 goes a long way, Mr. Savage. Well, let's go back to the issue of uh, the Ozark hole down there. Wait a minute. Mr. Cunningham. Wait just a minute. Are you accusing me of necrophilia? No, I am not, sir. I, uh, please don't get scattered. Because I live in me. Georgia, and I don't have nothing to do with them hoes from, uh, from the Ozarks. No, we're not talking about Ozark hoes. We're talking about Ozark holes. Oh, I thought you said ho, because, you know, it's an easy No, thing Ozark to... holes, Mr. Cunningham, not Ozark oh, holes. Okay, well, you see, all I'm trying to do is preserve the environment for people so that they live wait, longer. Wait, wait. You're and... not arguing that because you read Al Gore's Earth Imbalance that you were trying to save on energy? That's right. you didn't want to pollute the environment? That's why you didn't cremate the remains? That's exactly right, and that's my defense. Well, you've heard it all, ladies and gentlemen. Ozark holes, Ozark hoes. Energy crisis, Al Gore's earth imbalance. Can't you get any truth around here? Michael Savage, I think I'll go back to my studio and just report on the world events. This is Grant Hancock. I'm riding along with Janet Reno in her red pickup truck tour across the state of Florida. Miss Janet Reno, allow me to ask you a few questions. I wouldn't be in this race if I didn't think I could win it. I was born and raised in this whoa, state. Whoa, I love excuse it. me, Miss Reno. You seem to be very to the left. To serve it to help the people of the state achieve what I think is Please, amazing. please, please stop the truck. Oh, dear. Oh my God! I'm out of here. The president of the United States wants to invite somebody to stay at his private, what is in effect his home. That was a close one, ladies and gentlemen. Back to you, Michael Savage. This is Grant Hancock here at the Little Academy Awards. The excitement is overwhelming as they are handing out. More Academy Awards than anyone ever possibly believed. Here comes the winner now of the Roach Coach Academy Award, the award for the greasiest grease wagon that gives food to people on the lot. Here he is right now receiving the award. I own all the suits I wear. Some of them have been gifts. Last night, the legislature passed an English-only bill. That has outraged a lot of people here. Ah, yes. And here comes the winner of the Enabler Psychiatrist Award, the award for the best enabling psychiatrist who helps all of these crazy people deal with the impossibility of their success for really doing nothing. I want to thank my mom who's giving me the strength to fight every single day to be who I want to be and to give me the courage. Ah, oh, yes, and here comes the winner of the Best Hair Transplant Award, restoring the, uh, the follically challenged, and here is the comments of the winner. I love my life. Last but not least, 
the winner of the best communist screenplay adaptation. Here is the winner's comments now. It's so embarrassing to receive an award for for doing what you should be doing. Well, there you have it, Graham Hancock from the Little Academy Awards. Back to you, Michael Savage. This is Graham Hancock. I'm here live at the first annual Vicky Awards, Victims of the Year. Coming up now, Goldie Hawn. She will receive the award for the most sensitive celebrity of the year. Here she is right now. Every actor, everyone in public life has experienced the pain that gossip and untruths can cause. Words can break our hearts and subdue our spirit. They can destroy our desire and crush our courage. Words like, I hate you. Fatty. Losers. Compare those words to, I'm sorry, or I like you just the way you are. Wonderful, wonderful. Next up is the Reverend Jesse Hyde Jackson. He'll be receiving the award for Double Talker, Double Walker. The first stage of the struggle was to end legal slavery. The second stage to end legal segregation. The third stage is to secure the right to vote for all Americans. The fourth stage is, is access to capital and shared economic security. Yes, the award ceremonies cover a lot of ground this evening and here is the next award for the Outstanding Ambulance Chaser. It is none other than Charles Schumer. I look for three things. Excellence, moderation, and diversity. Unfortunately, Judge Pickering falls short on all three counts. Next we have Rat Boy's lawyer. He's receiving the award for meritorious service in social engineering for an RDDB. I'd ask the Attorney General to not take it out on John Lynn, because in my view, they have brought up the cannon to shoot the mouse. And who could forget MSNBC for the Cable Media Manipulator Award. There's a terrorist who, who kill people, but for a cause. And um, there's no reason why they shouldn't be uh, friendly people, and they were friendly people. Who can forget the amiable former president, Jimmy Carter, who is receiving the Socialism Lifetime Achievement Award. Cuba probably has the best public health system in the world. Last but not least, we have Russell Yates, who is now receiving what is the coveted Victim of the Year. When something like this happens, people want to understand why it happened. If they don't understand, you know, the biochemical nature of Andrew's illness, then they're going to look to other things that they do understand. So they'll say, there must have been something else going on in that household, and, it, and it's all false. And there you have it, the Vicky Awards, Victim of the Year, presented by the Savage Nation. The Vickies would like to thank Berkeley Thomas and David Rubin for their help with tonight's awards. Back to you, Michael Savage. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Now let's finish out today's podcast with a couple of more great Graham Hancock gems right here on the Savage Nation podcast. Thanks for listening. This is Graham Hancock with a Savage Nation exclusive breakfast with Yasser Arafat. I am here in the Arafat compound with the Palestinian terrorist. Oh, I mean elected leader. Also here is a Jewish Brooklyn traitor. I am not a traitor to anybody. Uh, oh, I mean peace activist Adam Shapiro. Now, Chairman, what more can you do to stop the rash of suicide bombings? We are following this 
with the peace process with the majority of the uh, Israeli people. What about those who say your removal would be best for the peace process? Uh, you have to respect uh, your provision. What have you and Mr. Shapiro talked about? The terrorist activities of the Israeli occupation. Mr. Shapiro, many in America liken you to rat boy Johnny Walker. I am not a traitor to anybody. I'm a human being. What rodent would you like Michael Savage to refer to you as? Perhaps mouse boy? Perhaps mole child? I'm a human being. I see. Chairman! You are covering with this question, this terrorist activities oh. of the Israeli kind. Oh, I... Not to make uh, well, I can see we're not making much progress here during our breakfast with Arafat. Pass the cream cheese and back to you, Michael Savage. Thank you. Bye-bye. When the moon hits your eye like a bigger pizza pie, that's amore. This is Graham Hancock. The Italian government today declared cloning an aberration. And I am here with the renowned clone brother of the famous scientist, Dr. Guido. Mr. Guido, are you there? Is it Dr. Guido, Guido, Guido? Yes, I said that. You are Dr. Guido, aren't you? Guido, Guido, not to. I see. Not to, Guido, 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 Guido. Guido. Yes, Guido, I see. Uh, What is Dr. Guido, Guido? uh, uh, Dr. Guido, Guido? Yes. Yes, okay. Now, I understand, Dr. Guido Guido, that you are in favor of cloning young boys in order for them to be passed around since that would make them not human. See, see, see. A problem in a Catholic church uh, is uh, with a boy. But uh, you cannot stop a human nature. No matter what do you say, no matter how much money you pay, no matter how many color you put on, uh, you still are going to want to grab the boy behind the altar. So, solution is simple. You take a one and you abuse the boy, and you clone him. You clone him, and you make a mini copy. You send him around the world to all the patty shops. Bells will ring, tingling, Now this is Doctor Guy. I personally see nothing wrong morally with passing around clone copies of boys, and I I just want to applaud you and ask you how did you come up with this solution to the problem? Because I call it the ACLU. The American Clone Liberty Union, and they say, give me liberty or give me death. They want a clone to have liberty. Well, I see. Dr. Guito Guito, Guito, has come up with a solution for the problem of molesting boys. Not a boy. A clone or not a boy. I'm sorry. I stand corrected, Dr. Guito Guito. Guido. The solution then is clone the molested boys, and they are no longer human. Then they can be passed around from one parish to another. Now, Dr. Guido, 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 how many boys would you suggest we clown? You make them use them again, over and over and over. This is the way you keep the priest in the church. You don't need to, to get them married, mess up with the wife, with the nun, with the children. This is the way you keep the priest in the church, and you don't molest the boy. Because they're not a boy. A clone is not a boy. And no crime, no problem. No lawsuit, just a plain old molester cloner. Are you saying that the molester cloner is a new kind of car? What? Not a molester, not a Alfa Romeo, not a molester cloner car. Not a molester cloner. When the stars and now back to you, Michael Savage. This is.
This is Graham Hancock. I'm here in the bunker with Yasser Arafat. I will be interviewing him for his frank and honest reactions to these difficult questions. Yasser, why are you wearing that silly, ridiculous headdress in this new millennium? Are you expecting a sandstorm in your bunker? Is this acceptable that I can't go outside from this door? I see. Is this acceptable? And what about this? Who can accept this? Yasser, is it time for a nose job? I know a good Jewish doctor in Brooklyn. I have to ask his eccentric President Bush. Aha. I have to ask the United Nations. And what about the church that was blown up in Pakistan a few weeks ago? What do you have to say about your thugs doing that, eh? They are continuing their aggression against the Palestinian people, against what had been declared uh, by President Bush. And what about female suicide bombers? Why are you praising them? Very warm, very... Uh, Important. Aha. I hope that uh, this will uh, reflect, no doubt, positively. How can you defend what your thugs have been doing, blowing up synagogues in France and taking over the Church of the Nativity? How do you defend such an action? Shameful uh, attacks for the Nativity Church. Who can accept it internationally? This holy, sacred place, how this can be accepted from the whole world to be attacked and uh, being burned. Mr. Arafat, have you been giving Accutane to the Palestinian children to encourage them to commit suicide? And as a follow-up, have you asked Mr. Powell to increase shipments to the West Bank of Accutane in order to increase the number of suicide bombings by children with pimples? You have to be accurately when you are speaking with General Yasser Arafat. Be quiet. Don't this fatal mistake. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it. Back to you, Michael Savage. This Graham Hank in, Le- in Lebanon, where a Kentucky Fried Chicken restaurant was the target of a bombing line. Here with me is a man who had knowledge of this bombing. Sir, is it true that you applauded this attack? <laughs> You say the infidel, Colonel Sanders, is an undercover Mossad agent working to strengthen the Israeli occupation of the West Bank? You also believe the succulent, tender, juicy white chicken breasts are a corruption of Islamic society. You say that breasts should be kept hidden from public. You're also saying that your Muslim women have cast aside their burqas at the restaurants and are using them to wipe their greasy fingers. Shocking! Absolutely shocking. And Chairman Arafat burnt his tongue on the mashed potatoes. Well, (laughs) really? Well, there you have it. One final note, Michael. Falafel bars across the country are bracing for the Israeli counteroffensive. And now back to you, Michael Savage. This is Graham Hancock on special assignment from North America's newest tourist attraction. So let's learn all about it from our guide. Here he is right now. Now that the hostages have been released from the Church of the Nativity, the reputed birthplace of the international community is providing a safe haven for this diverse body. Being the most accepting nation on earth, Canada has set aside a new refuge for these gentlemen. Canada has created Terror Town. What more can you tell us about Terror Town? Terror Town comes equipped with 
the most modern facilities, a sort of mini-university bomb-making 101, teaching a child how to strap one on. I see. What will the terrorists, I mean, uh, exiles, have to eat? Chicken legs only, no breasts, because it violates the religion of some of the guests. How will the men's Islamic faith be respected? The cultural needs of these children killers, of these slayers of children, will be paid attention to. Prayer rugs provided by the government. I see, very interesting. As well as daily laundry service. And what about exercise, eh? Gymnasium for strengthening those muscles necessary in breaking into of innocent Israelis and slaughtering and cutting the women's throats. Sharpshooting to make sure they can shoot Jewish children through the eye. Yes, well, I noticed a media center. What about that? How could we forget how to appear before camera after murdering innocent children? How to appear camera-friendly? For Middle Easterners, how not to use your hands while talking. Controlling the eyebrows. Not foaming at the lips. Making sure voice does not break into that of a girl's while screaming. A special seminar will be given by MSNBC personnel looking media-friendly while the blood is still on your hands. Where will the militant's intellectual stimulation come from, eh? An ACLU reading room where the works of Marx, Engels, Stalin, Mao... I see. Al Gore's Earth in the Balance, and Noam Chomsky, Why the Jews Must Die. Well, we have with us former KGB agent Colonel Igor Stujev, who is now living happily in Canada and teaching at Terror Town. Colonel, what do you like about Canada, per se? Food, welfare... Uh, legal, I got education, I got house, I got car, I got girlfriends, all provided by government. <laughs> Very good country. Very interesting. Very good. How do you feel about Canada's open immigration policies? Excellent. Terrific. Terrific. What we dreamed of in Soviet Union, now fulfilled in Canada. Great land, great land. Anything goes, anything goes. I would now like to introduce director of uh, Terratown, Dr. Helen. Dr. Helen, please come up. Uh. This country, America, is a true rogue state. Cheney is a wicked man. Well, there you have it. This is Graham Hancock reporting from Terratown, Canada. Back to you, Michael Savage. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.